Hello there, this is episode 25 of the Post-Concussion Syndrome Awareness Podcast. And it's a, a pretty special episode today. Um, this one's not just going out for everybody suffering from brain injury or PCS, uh, but it's going out to a fellowship, a group, um, uh, which is very kind of close to my heart as well. Um, and I promised them I'd, I'd do a, like a, a written kind of synopsis of A to Z of supplements and conditions and things, but um, that kept going out the window because of various reasons. So I said I'd do it in a podcast instead. And then um, we could go from there and, and you can kind of interactively ask me questions either on Facebook or on Twitter or, you know, WordPress or wherever. So uh, this is um, basically, uh, yeah, a guide to common things that you've got to deal with if you're not, if you stop taking certain medications or if, uh, like some people, you dealt with um, previous addiction issues and you're now uh, uh, kind of uh, abstinent and so on. Uh, like pain and sleep and uh, digestion and so on. And uh, obviously, like we say with a disclaimer in every episode, you know, uh, you know, we're not doctors here, we're not specialists or scientists or whatever. Everything's based on our own experience, my own experience as well. Uh, so, you know, please do get professional advice if, if, if you need to, as and where. And there's obviously a disclaimer at the end of this episode as well, uh, just to state the obvious. Okay. But what is this about? This is about me uh, giving you uh, some of my, the benefit of my experience and my um, research over the last, oh my God, uh, 15 years uh, to say what happens for specific conditions. So first of all, I'm going to get, I'm, I'm kind of go, go through these by subject. So we can go through like sleep, anxiety, depression, um, energy we're going to go through uh all pretty much different things uh, immune health um bolstering your immune system preventing disease preventing cancer inflammation uh, as much as you can can really think of and so where do you want to start well um both groups both the post-concussion syndrome group and the other group um that I have in mind, uh, one of the main things that come up, uh, well, two of the main things that come up are both sleep and pain. So we'll start with sleep. Um, so many people that, that, that have been from both sides um, have difficulty getting, getting off to sleep and staying asleep. Now, sleep is, as we know, one of the most principal things that you can you can deal with, uh, even with PCS or whether you've had any kind of uh, uh, addiction issues or, or, or things of, you know, where you're recovering from years and years of of kind of traumatic self abuse in terms. And I'm sorry to call it traumatic self abuse, but that is uh, quite critically what it is. So. Uh, how do you get to sleep? How do you get off? If you've been using um, different methods, if you've been using, say, if you have PCS, you've been using uh, sleeping tablets or tranquilizers, or in, in terms of uh, other type of abuse, if, been, if you've been smoking cannabis, or you've been using heroin, or any other kind of uh, downer, how how are you going to get back from that into healthy, normal, regulatory sleeping patterns? Well, 
one of the first things that I would say to you is that you need to redevelop a routine around sleep. And uh, this isn't necessarily what everybody else uh, says you should do in order to sleep at a certain time. Because your body clock and the outward world's body clock may not necessarily align. So um, where you think about nine to five people, and I mean like people that, you know, kind of get up at seven o'clock, you know, just go to work and get to work for nine o'clock, come back at five o'clock, six, seven o'clock, and then, you know, they're in in what we generally call a rat race. Um, That may not necessarily be what you're going to be in tune with. Now, why should you be? Why should you be? Why do you have to be in tune with them? You don't have to be. You can be, um, if you're going through your creativity, if you learn to journal and uh, kind of record what you're doing, uh, I know that's not for everybody, but you're going to have to find different ways to get through the day and through the weeks and and through the weekends as well. So you you might, like me, I I don't go out to work if, if I have to until like, three o'clock four o'clock in the in in the afternoon and I sometimes don't get home until you know kind of 11 12 1 2 o'clock in the morning um but you you, you're gonna have to at some point whatever your routines your personal routines are you're gonna have to deal with a sleep issue so what do i do and what do other people do well uh myself I have post I've had post concussion syndrome. I've had fibromyalgia, and I've had other like immune uh, suppressant issues. Um, and then again, in the past, I've had issues with dependency on painkillers, codeine, dihydrocodeine things. So um, you've you've got to really be able to be responsible uh, f- for yeah for what you can control. Um, Thinking about sleep, though, there are certain natural things and certain natural foods and substances that are going to help you. So first of all, with sleep, we're going to look at magnesium. Magnesium is known as the sleep and anti-cancer mineral, uh, the one thing that is is really important. Uh, And there's several types of magnesium. You've got magnesium therinate which is the one which is if you've had uh, neurological issues and you want to regain uh, your your brain function, that will help you. Um, Magnesium malate is the one that I've used and I've I've relied on because uh, that's magnesium and malic acid. Malic acid comes from a lot of naturally from a lot of fruits, particularly apples. So magnesium malate is one that will not only put you to sleep uh, if you take it in the right doses. This is like three times twelve hundred milligrams of magnesium malate a night, uh, but it will also relax your muscles and your bones and and your kind of uh, tissues lasting at night. So you can think that, well, actually, yeah, that, that's good if you've got any type of uh, chronic fatigue syndrome, ME, uh, anything, any kind of similar condition or fibromyalgia, and that's going to be a really good way for you to go. Um, now, I'll, I'll get to magnesium citrate later, but that's one if, you, if you're constipated, and that's, not, that's something I didn't mention. Um, but yeah, if you really, really are on a lot of medications or 
uh, things where you can't, you find it in the morning, you can't have a normal kind of bowel movement, you can't go to the toilet, you can't get it out, basically, then if you're really desperate, magnesium citrate is the one to go for. Um, but going back to sleep, now this next step depends on whether you have issues with benzodiazepines or tranquilizers. Uh, because if you do, it's probably not a good idea. Now what I'm talking about is um, a valerian root and uh, hops, valerian hops um, and uh, maybe even uh, a, a couple of other remedies where you've got to be careful um, because if you are taking, even if you've, you've been on benzodiazepines or tranquilizers for a long time, if you then start take, you come off them and then you start taking, um, you know, kind of valerian hops again, it could trigger uh, mentally or uh, physiologically, psychologically, it could, it could trigger some issues. So you've got to be careful and always speak to your psychiatrist or your doctor about that. Um, what else have we got for sleep? Now, uh, one thing I find is really, really, really lovely is L-theanine. L-theanine is uh, a non-essential amino acid. And amino acids like L-creatine, L-arginine uh, are, are well uh, kind of uh, known about. But L-theanine, uh, the actual component itself, is found in uh, like tea and green tea. Um but on its own, obviously with, with tea and green tea, it's got caffeine in it, which keeps you awake. Um, but otherwise, uh, on its own, when it's isolated, it's uh, very relaxing. It's also an anti-anxiety uh, amino acid. So there's a lot of really good benefits for you there. Now, yeah, if you're going to look at um, things uh, to help me get to sleep you've got to be aware of the chemical compounds that are in them and so on. And you've got to understand uh, how they're going to get you to sleep. So, for instance, say you have a regular bedtime routine. And this is a good thing to do, by the way. And you think that, well, maybe you get to like 8, 9, 10, 11 o'clock in the evening and um, you're still not sleepy. What do you do? Do you just kind of like beast yourself and try and make yourself to go to bed at midnight or whatever? Because that's when your body does um, all its best repair work is between 9pm 9, 9 and 12pm. They say an, an hour before midnight is worth two after afterwards. So you, you're going to get into this dichotomy and I know a lot of you <coughs> won't really be worried worried too much about going to bed before midnight and so that presents different problems so it's then planning out your day how do you go to sleep what time what time do you get up do you make yourself get up in the morning if you're really tired and that that might be a good thing how many hours sleep do you actually need do you really need eight hours sleep or do you just need six or seven or even five? Like in my case, the older older I get, uh, the less sleep I need. So, um, yeah, thinking about L-theanine and magnesium, um, 
Sometimes you can take everything that you should take to get to sleep, but if your mindset and your psyche isn't right for getting to sleep, then you're you're not going to get to sleep till four in the morning, five in the morning. It doesn't matter. Sleep can be your ultimate ally, your friend, or it can be your worst enemy trying to chase it down that tunnel and that that can in itself if you know depending on what you're doing if you're looking at your phone or your ipad or your computer or whatever you can really get into some bad habits so yeah um thinking about um those retina screens on your phones and your ipads and your computers uh that is the worst thing as we already already know, um, to kind of distract you from sleep, especially when you're scrolling up and down screens. That scrolling up and down screens is a major uh, brain function destroyer. It really is something that that, that kind of like sends you sideways. <coughs> All you need to do is, uh, to test this theory, is, um, yeah, next time you want to hold a concept or something in your head, uh, then if you want to test this, go to your phone and find a web page or, uh, or Facebook or whatever, and uh, try and hold the concept that you're thinking about in your head, and then scroll up and down the screen maybe for just even 10 or 20 seconds or, or for, for a minute or two and uh, see if you can even, at the end of that, if you can even uh, hold any of that information in your brain. And I will guarantee you nine times out of 10 uh, that you can't do that because the way that uh, digital smartphones and media are designed and social media is designed and web pages are designed is that this destroys your attention so if you're doing this after kind of seven o'clock in the evening um you're gonna be on a hiding to nothing uh but anyway getting back to sleep how uh how can you get restful sleep well one thing that is really good is delta waves. Delta waves, a sound frequency, certain megahertz, uh, like 432 meg- megahertz. Uh, and the best kind of device is using YouTube uh, and using uh, MP3s that you can download. Is to find uh, these f- specific frequencies which put you into a state of sleep and a sleep-like state. So you can use one or more of these. Um, You know, you can use a magnesium, magnesium malate, you can use L-theanine. There's also valerian and hops. Now, that's not something you might want to use if you have had previous benzodiazepine or tranquilizer uh, use or dependency issues. Because they are may well trigger um, certain brain states and you don't want to do that but there's other things you can use um, you've got a, a range of essential oils and things as well that are good for sleep um, now the good routine to get into is lasting at night 
um, maybe 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock at night, you could choose to have a hot bath or shower. Now I'll explain two ways you can do this. In a bath or with a bath, you can run a hot bath and then if you have lavender oil or copaiba oil or um, various other oils, you can uh, run the bath and then put 6 to 12 drops of oil on, you know, splash them into the water before you go to sleep. And uh, <clears throat> if, if you have maybe bath salts or something else, you can use that. Uh, but you've got to have a way in which you can uh, relax in, and change your mind state as well. And so, yeah, th this is uh, just one way, but uh, then we're talking about sleep again. So um, you've got to have other things. Now, it depends on your, your budget and your price range, uh, but one of the great things can help you, which is CBD oil. Now, CBD oil is um, generally, these days, it's mass-produced on a range of qualities, and you're going to have to pay between for the very kind of like ineffectual cheap CBD oil is going to cost you 15 to 20 pounds a month and the really good stuff is going to cost you between 50 and 200 pounds a month so it really is um, you know something that most of us can't really entertain uh, and, and even if you could entertain that you would probably uh, know somebody that could get you Simpson oil and, and could get you kind of like, you know, fully therapeutic, truly full spectrum oil. And there's so much bullshit. There's so much garbage around CBD uh, these days. It's just like everybody and their dog and their dogs, parasites and everybody else has jumped on the bandwagon and just really ruined the whole business. And uh, all it is is basically everybody, like a thousand different companies selling the same thing in different ways, in different bottles, with different labels, with different lies on, um, and they just leave you to work it out. And how, how this normally works is they say how many milligrams are per bottle, per ratio, the ratio of oil in the bottle and they have sunflower oil or olive oil or hemp oil in and all basically CBD is uh, extracted uh, usually solvent extracted as a resin and that resin is put then dissolved into with an emulsifier is dissolved into another type of oil and so on and so on and so you get all this BS about we, we don't know and so for, for those of you listening um, in the uh, CSLHG group, um, you will appreciate the fact that, well, actually, you don't want the THC in there. You don't want that in there. And um, these people are, in fact, uh, you know, kind of like the worst bullshit artists um, just trying to sell and hawk the CBD oil um, on the back of uh, trying to sell it as cannabis oil. Or they call it cannabidiol. They call it. Uh, they call it full spectrum. They call it everything else they can do. But at the end of the day, um, it's not. Um, it's not what it's meant to be. So yeah, you you can't probably can't rely too much on CBD oil. If you live in America, 
Wow. I mean, there was an amazing dichotomy. Um, for I started using CBD in 2013 when it first became available in the UK. And, and you know, you could get it. And at the time, I could afford it. <clears throat> uh, but it was then illegal in the USA. But some states in the USA, uh, cannabis and cannabis oil was legal. Um and this was just like the most confusing, ridiculous thing you could think of. It was like, well, um, you know, certain states you can buy and grow and use cannabis, marijuana, any way you want, in any way you want. But in maybe your neighboring state, CBD oil, which is not even psychedelic or psychoactive or anything, is totally illegal and you get arrested for it. So, for, for between kind of like 2015 to 2018-19, uh, this was just like the weirdest thing uh, that you could think about. And then all of a sudden it started to change and it is changing, but there's still some really strange legalities over uh, like CBD and cannabis in the USA. Um, but then again... Uh, their research of other things like MDMA uh, therapy to treat post-traumatic uh, syndrome disorder, uh, ketamine therapy for uh, similar trauma and depression therapy, and uh, other things like psilocin and psilocybin therapies uh, for cancer and, uh, um, you know, kind of... Uh, getting off uh, tobacco and alcohol and psychedelic drugs and things are seen as, 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 as now it's commonplace. Whereas here in, where we are in the UK, um, you've got none of that. You've got none of this uh, desire to help people. Um, it's a really weird situation. So the whole CBD and cannabis thing is something that you, know, you may want to look at for sleep as well. Um, so we looked at magnesium, L-theanine, um, CBD oil. Um, what else is it for sleep? Well, let me think about it. Well, there's um, <clears throat> the valerian and hops, which also may may not be an issue. But there's also uh, like delta waves. If you look on YouTube, delta waves for sleep or hypnosis and self-hypnosis as well. Now, the people that are maybe recovering from uh, addiction issues may want to think about uh, using hypnosis and self-hypnosis as a tool and sound wave and healing energy vibrations as a way to get to sleep. Um, the next area we want to look at is uh, that of pain. Now, pain is one that I've dealt with uh, probably the last 15 years or so, through fibromyalgia, chronic pain, and so on. Um, and some of you may have been used to uh, a dependency on opiates, either uh, codeine, dihydrocodeine, morphine, or even synthetic opiates like tramadol, or uh, substitutes like gabapentin, or pregabalin, or even of the, of the horrible stuff that the the 
the shrinks push on you like amitriptyline and all stuff that doesn't even doesn't even it's not even there to address pain it's just um them giving you it to to try and uh, yeah to try and push you off or shut you up um they're not ever gonna address the cause of the pain i'm sorry to be the one that brings this to you and to, to bring this out but um yeah, they're just not ever gonna gonna get there. Um, and I I done this for years and years of taking opiates and different things. And every morning I'd wake up like five in the morning, six in the morning, and I'd bomb myself with you know like ninety, hundred and twenty milligrams of codeine or dihydrocodeine, and just like, yeah, just wipe out for maybe a couple of hours. Come back round and then be like, yeah, oh yeah, I'm fine now, I can go for the day, I'm okay, this is alright, you know, I can get there. And just like get into a false loop for days on end, then weeks on end, and months on end, and years on end. And then just really just come back round and realise that actually, well, at the end of it, um, it's just like a false trip totally false trip um now i'm not negating and especially as i I have fibromyalgia i'm not negating that anybody has pain issues and don't think that you know i'm saying that nobody has and they shouldn't deal with them and if if you if you feel that you really need to have those painkillers then you know that that's something you need to do but Again, what we're talking about is alternatives, and alternatives to pain is uh, what alternatives can you use. And you're going to have to go through um, getting off those painkillers, uh, where, where it was, I don't recommend to anybody or everybody, like I did, as cold turkey, but going that way is something only for the very, very kind of people if you know you need to do that otherwise you're going to have to have the help of a physician a gp and maybe other mental health practitioners a cpn or whoever you're with Um, but uh, given that you're going to get to a point where you've got to make an exchange now your exchange is from using those opiates or synthetic opiates and swapping those in order for something natural. What did I use? Well, in the start, I wasn't sure what to use. Um, I tried using paracetamol and other things, but then after that, I realised, well, actually there's other stuff that, that takes away specific symptoms of pain. So I had to divide my pain into certain areas. Is it bodily? Is it nervous pain? Is it muscle pain? Is it uh, emotional pain? Whatever it is, how how am I choosing to medicate all the different aspects of pain in my life? So I had to strip it back one by one. So uh, in terms of aching and bodily aching for fibromyalgia, and you might get this with uh, uh, chronic fatigue syndrome or ME, is that like, I started taking MSM, uh, methyl sulfamethane, uh, which is organic sulfur which took away the aching and the pain in my bones and my body. Uh, and, you know, I didn't have CBD oil anymore, so I'd be like, well, uh, what else can I do? Uh, and then I, I, I studied and I learned and I found, well, uh, curcumin. 
Novosol curcumin specifically is uh, a curcumin is an alkaloid from the turmeric root. Turmeric uh, root is in the uh, ginger family of roots. There's ginger, turmeric and nag couture, which is white turmeric. And each of those has specific properties full of phytochemicals and oils and acids and things. Uh, but the Novosol curcumin is anti-inflammatory. It's uh, pain relieving, it's anti-cancer, it promotes heart health and all kinds of things. It's really wonderful stuff. So I was taking that as well as the MSM. Um, CBD oil is good if you can get it. Uh, between those three, you could probably cure just about any pain if you get it in the right ratio. Um, and what else was there? Um, there's also uh, topical things you can use. Now the main one I used after after I couldn't afford the CBD oil uh, was the copaiba oil. Now copaiba officinalis is uh, one of a group of family of trees uh, that grows in Brazil, Ecuador, um, and around Argentina and the Amazon. And the, the uh, this Capiba ricketala as well. Is this there's two or three or four different species, uh, but this is one of the most amazing trees on the planet. It, co it commits this resin up to forty liters of this resin a year. When the resin is then used to transformed into essential oil, and the Capiba oil is called the, the golden healer, golden miracle. Um, it's been used since the 15th century, um, since the first Portuguese settlers went to Brazil, but uh, even before then, probably many, many centuries before then, it's been used uh, as an anti-inflammatory, antibiotic, antiviral, antifungal, um, can cure tonsillitis, uh, asthma, all kinds of things. It's just like the most amazing thing. Uh, and the cabiberol, it smells, it's a beautiful smell, uh, like a, a, a sharp, woody, kind of like um, floral smell. And it, it's just, you, you can even wear it as just to, to, and in fact, it will get onto anxiety later. But uh, yeah, it's just one of the things that uh, is just really, really good for uh, depression and anxiety as well. And yes. Capybara oil is one that we'll come back to. Uh, so, anxiety and depression will be next. Now, uh, yeah, capybara, uh, capybara oil is one of the few essential oils, like natural oils, it can rub straight onto your body. There's a very, very small number of people have a problem with that. Um, but I've used this in the field and in the field of uh, CPTSD, PTSD, uh, anxiety, depression, uh, over the last couple of years, when I couldn't afford the CBD oil, because it's like a tenth of the price of CBD oil, and it's just got me out, got me out of the uh, moment, got me out of the, the trap, got me out of the place where I wanted to go back to a bad place. And so that CBD oil, uh, sorry, the capybara oil, uh, or CBD oil as well. Um, I'm not sure if you rub CBD oil on your body, it'd do any good, but it might do. Uh, you're probably best taking it kind of under your tongue. But the capybara oil, 
uh, is one you can have, you can kind of like put drops in your bath. You can rub it on your body in the morning. Rub it on your, your chakras on the front of your body, your solar plexus, um, wherever you need to, and it's going to give you a massive boost, both with sleep and depression and anxiety. So right, let's tackle these in order. For depression, all right now I know a lot of you may be taking government-sanctioned antidepressants, SSRIs. Ah, oh, where have we got? We've got Cipralex, you've got uh, metazapine, you've got fluoxetine, deloxetine, you've got um, a, a whole load of others. I ain't got time to go into all of them. And uh, what you find is that they work for a little while and then you plateau and then it stops working. And then when it stops working, they give you a different one. And then, you know, it comes up again, gets a plateau, it stops working, you get down again. Sometimes you'll find one, maybe occasionally, that you can deal with. And it might work, work for five, six months, or even up to a year, maybe longer. But what you find is, as soon as you come off it, your depression problems are still there. You're not going away. You know, you're just delaying the inevitable. And if if you are inclined, um, and if this is going on, then you may be, if you have had issues with substance or, or misuse or addiction, then you're going to be inclined to use again. So, <clears throat> whilst I must make this disclaimer yet again, you need to consult your psychiatrist or your NHS GP. You need to consult the people. Um, and and, and if, if you're in some type of substance misuse or therapy, don't take this as advice because then you really are on a different wavelength. You need to have to have somebody there to get you out of it. So don't, don't think that this is angled at you. Uh, but otherwise, you're going to have to have uh, some means of, of getting past, um, you know, the constant stream of um, allopathic medicines. So with depression, right, uh, you've got many things that can help you. Um, my favourite of all, having been through all of the medications that the NHS could give me, is uh, different strains of 5-HTP, 5-hydroxytryptophan. Uh, this generally comes as an extract from the Griffonia simplicia, uh, it's a seed of a tree which grows generally in Africa and other continents. Um, and it depends on how it's 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 kind of synthesized and, and, and mixed up. But if you can get a good dose of that every morning, it's a good serotonin uptake replacer. Some people take St. John's Wort um, as another um, flower, flowering bush that flowers round about midsummer, round about my birthday time and, and that can be good for some people but through others it causes increased anxiety um, so you might want to try that but it can be too it can be too overpowering for some people whereas the 5-HTP if you get it in the right blend the right brand uh, that that is really good and sometimes they do a 5-HTP complex which encompasses 5-HTP magnesium folic acid uh, and b vitamins uh, are others as well um, to help absorption and that can be really good 
Also, for depression, um, you're going to want to think about uh, hypnosis, self-hypnosis, NLP, and things which you're going to be able to deal with, the root cause. Because we know, for all of us listening, or most of us listening, that uh, root of depression is going to be around CPTSD, it's going to be around childhood trauma, you know, what, which parent, if any parent, was there for you? Were they there for you? Were they not? Either way, um, you're probably kind of like getting to a state where you're having an emotional flashback right now or thinking about that, and I don't want you to do that. So just think, well, actually, you know, um, if, if that is the case, you need to see a therapist, you need to see somebody who can help you through um, and don't rely on the therapist, but get them to get you to a place where you can think about um, recognising and uh, dealing with your emotional flashbacks. Because that CPTSD otherwise is going to be something that triggers your addiction issues or, or, or triggers your kind of like brain brain injury issues again and again and again. Um, so in terms of depression... Yeah, you, you've got to um, combine the chemical things and natural things with some type of therapy as well. Now, to do with anxiety, uh, the best things I've had for anxiety is a few. Um, one thing is an Ayurvedic medicine, Bacopi Manieri, uh, which is a combination of, of like, uh, a variety of uh, sea-based plants um, or they call it Brahmi in the uh, Ayurvedic medicine, uh, but it's I think about thirty odd different uh, uh, sea plants, and, and the, the the extracts of this are really good as a mood uplifting anti anxiety. There's also something called Rhodiola, Rhodiola extract of Rhodiola, uh, which is really good for uh, a sense of self and place and helping you past anxiety issues as well. Um, the capybara oil, again, is really good for anxiety. If you uh, kind of like take the oil and rub it directly on your solar plexus or over your heart chakra, which is the middle of your chest, and that will really, really help you massively there. Um, it's just like first aid. Other things for depression anxiety, you've got the bark flower remedies, uh, bark flowers, you do the rescue remedy, and then there's all sorts of other ones as well. Um, but if you can get some boots and holding barrett and other places, just just try and uh, do it in gum and uh, a liquid form and a dropper, a, a dropper that you can put in your tongue and a gel form. Those are really, really good for like saving yourself if you get into anxiety moments or somebody triggers your anxiety or you've got that CPTSD or you've got those emotional flashbacks. That's a really good thing to get you out of there. Now, some of these things you might think, oh, it cost me like, you know, a little bit more. But don't worry, you know, they are worth the weight in gold. And so the next thing I need to talk about is... um digestion issues right because this has come up a lot in in the groups um now there's two issues basically one 
Um, you can't go. <laughs> and you know what I mean. And the second is, uh, you're going too much. Or, or you, you know, there's, there's areas in between. But basically, first of all, you can't go, so you're constipated. Now, these may well be uh, because of medications. And maybe six times out of ten, they are because of medications. So, um, maybe your diet is okay, but, um, you know, that certain medications can cause you to be a little bit bunged up. So, what would you do? Right. Now, there's certain things you can do naturally in introducing to diet. Obviously, you're going to have to have like uh, green fibrous vegetables, alkaline vegetables, like asparagus and spinach and broccoli, green beans. Um, you're going to have uh, spring onions, leeks, all kinds of stuff. Uh, and, you know, obviously uh, brown rice is a good one as well. Um, but just, just varying from the stuff you used to do, rather than having chips or french fries, or having, uh, you know, kind of just a lot of protein without any fibre, you need to think about uh, how to vary that, and have some grains as well, so like buckwheat, and, and then you like seeds and different things in your diet, uh, just, it depends, it depends on you and your health conditions, and if you have any intolerance issues or, or allergies and so on, but basically, you have to think about, yeah. How is your diet right now? How is it? Are you eating a lot of takeaways or fast food or different things, or are you um, having a really good mixture like a, a ketogenic or ketoic diet of um, maybe fish and white meat and like green vegetables, or are you having a lot of carbohydrates, a lot of sugar? A lot of saturated fats that aren't good for you. What what is it? You need you need to get to the bottom of that. So thinking about going, um, you're also going to have to think about your gut, your microbiome, because all health begins and ends in your gut, your microbiome, uh, which is the most essential part of your immune system. It's like the last line of defense. It's like if you remember Game of Thrones where they had like the wall, the big, the big wall, your gut is the the wall. It's like once the the, the, the kind of like the dead, then once the zombies come and, and kind of like climb the wall, that's it. You're gone. You, you're brown bread, you're toast, you're dead, you're gone, you're poof, gone with the wind. But if you think about your immune system, it begins in your throat. Your throat is the key to all of your immune system and health. Now, when we're healthy, our throat and our tonsils, if we still have them, are the first line of defense. And they will cut off. They're like kind of like the bouncers on the door. Your throat is a bouncer on the door. And it's like, yeah, you're not coming in. You know, like cold virus, this, that, the other, you're not coming in. If you've had your tonsils out, well, you don't necessarily... You're not necessarily going to be disadvantaged, but, uh, you know, it's possibly not the best thing. But if you've had right, severe tonsillitis, like I had a f uh, about three years back, four years back, then you're going to have to have them out. So, you, you, yeah, that, that's beside the point. So your tonsils or your tonsillar ring in your throat is the first line of defence in your immune system. 
Now, if that breaks down, so if you uh, spiritually, if you have uh, like a dichotomy, if you go away from uh, having been able to speak for yourself, then your tonsillar uh, centre is going to shut down as well. So if you're in an abusive relationship or somebody's abusing you or attacking you or whatever, that first line of immune system response is gone. What's your second line of um, immune system? Well, it's your stomach, your stomach acid. And the entrance to your stomach is the um, what, what's called the esophageal sphincter <laughs> quite readily. And the esophageal sphincter is like the, 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 the entrance to your stomach. It's like this muscle that lets food in and out, food and drink in and out. So that, uh, and your stomach acid, uh, hydrochloric acid in your stomach, is the next line of defence. And so you can see where this is going, because if you are given uh, certain drugs and medications and things, that they're going to weaken both your first and second lines of immune defence. Your second line of defence is if you if you take in a lot of medications, whether painkillers, antidepressants, other things, you're going to end up with reflux and heartburn. And you go back to your NHS GP, your doctor, and you say, oh, doctor, I'm, I'm taking this amitriptyline, I'm taking this uh, Thorazine, I'm taking this, um, you know, kind of fluoxetine, I'm taking these Ciprolex, I'm taking this uh, mood stabilizers, I'm taking these sleeping tablets. Oh, but I've got terrible heartburn. And I think, I think, and the doctor goes, oh, that's, that's terrible. Um, you know, I'm going to give you something for the heartburn. And then they give you like ranitidine or P proton pump inhibitors or some other kind of medication that kind of like shuts down your body's ability to uh, make enough stomach acid. And so you get a relief from the feeling of like this, this kind of acid coming up. You're going like, oh, right, now it's really calmed down. But... The thing is with your body and your digestive system is you can never have enough stomach acid. <laughs> it's just a total fallacy that you can have too much and it's a bad thing for you. So unfortunately, um, you might well get um, a lot of drugs and things which you really told that you need. And uh, if you really need them, that's fair enough. Um, but you may be told a lot of the time that you need these things and uh, it may well turn out that you don't possibly need them and that they are causing you a lot more harm than good. And uh, over many months and years, you can end up with osteoporosis, uh, you know, cirrhosis of the liver. You can end up with all kinds of horrible diseases and illnesses um, just because you've, you've kind of tried to kill the golden goose, basically. Um, so what happens after your stomach? We're following this all the way down the rabbit hole now. So going into your, your, past your stomach, you get to your small and large intestine, which is where after your stomach's done, broken up the major proteins and taken out the goodness of your food, uh, your small and large intestines then are there to take out the rest of everything else that you need. Uh, and in there, um, it's down to the microbiome. Now your microbiome is between three and maybe six, seven kilograms of your body. And that 
entire microbiome is made up of a colonies of billions and billions of microorganisms. All kinds of creatures and all things that live in your gut. And um, you've got no idea that they're there. You've got no idea that they're working, but they're working round the clock. Some of them are meant to be there. There's like a large portion of them that are meant to be there and they're meant to be working around the clock. There's another section that are kind of like there by uh, proxy. So, you know, kind of your food and the pollutants have, have, have kind of put them there. And then there's another little section of dirty ones that are kind of like invaders that really don't need ever to be there. And they're just like kicking you in the shins silently. They're the ones that are just really, really destroying your uh, immune system silently. And uh, they're very clever. They're, they're like kind of little terrorists, really. They get in there as pathogens and toxins. They come through vaccines or prescription medications. They come through uh, legal drugs and uh, pollutants in the air, pollutants in your food, parasites, all kinds of stuff. And when they get in there, they dig deep and they coat themselves in what's called biofilms. I like pathogens that are coated in biofilms. They're just really, really dirty. They're the ones that kind of carry on and dig deep uh, for years on end. And they know they're fighting a long, long-term war. And if they can exist in your body for long enough, then you can become really, really sick. And um, what happens is in the long term... Uh, over many, many years, uh, they can root down and uh, just come up again. But why do they come up again? Well, they come up again because of, well, what you do wrong. What do you do wrong? You um, eat too much sugar, you drink too much alcohol, too much caffeine, um, you get vaccines that aren't good for you. Some vaccines may be good, other ones are not. Um, you have illegal drugs, different things, and all of these kind of bring you back to, you know, kind of like uh, feeding these pathogens. Uh, you eat the wrong types of food, all kinds of stuff, and, and it just all comes out again as well. So you've got to be really, really careful um, about your gut. Now, most people don't know what to do with the gut, and after we've of course, we talked about uh, depression and anxiety. Now we'll move on to gut health. So how are you feeding your gut? What are you doing? If you have a, a daily probiotic, and I'm not talking about yakal or in that kind of, kind of garbage yogurt drinks you get in the supermarket, they won't do anything for you. They really won't. Um, they've been marketed really well, but they won't help you at all. At least what you need is something like Zesty Pro or uh, another a good probiotic capsule um, that's got maybe 6 to 11 strains of uh, uh, floral bacteria in it. Um, that's, that's one you can take every day. If you're really, really at the top end of that, if you're really lucky, uh, you can use like Bravo which is a probiotic you can make into a type of yogurt and that will really cure 
that that's one that a miracle cure that can cure up to 60 diseases or illnesses including fibromyalgia migraines cancer and other things as well um but that's probably you know kind of like 100 and odd pound a month just to get the ingredients for that uh but if if you've only got like 10 to 20 pounds a month to spend a probiotic then you should do it and you should look for one that's at least 50 billion cfu that's like floral uh, you know kind of like floral units um so with digestion you're also gonna uh, be thinking about what what's if my digestion is bad uh might have reflux other issues uh what i've just given to my dad today is like basil seeds uh tacana or sabja as it's known uh, you just put a couple of teaspoons of basil seeds in a glass of water, let them swell up and drink that. But really good. Good for people with diabetes and other issues as well, but really good for reflux. Uh, you've got diglycerized licorice root if you have really severe heartburn. Uh, and then you've also got um, aloe vera juice, aloe vera capsules and gel capsules and what else we've got? we've got ashitaba ashitaba is a japanese herb um one that is very good for reflux as well um and yeah uh, but if you're really in a, a serious need a, a, a kind of relief um you, you know you can drink a little bit of milk whatever to help to calm down uh, reflux symptoms but you usually find that these reflux symptoms are coming from medications or something you're taking or something in your diet like a food or whatever that is making it flare up so you could possibly have intolerant symptoms uh, linked in with it so you need to work that backwards as we do in functional medicine look at the 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 symptom and work your way back from the symptom yeah and then you'll find your way to it uh what else have we got what else have people asked about uh, so we've gone through like sleep, pain, anxiety, depression. Um, uh, I can't think what else there is. Um, we also, uh, oh yeah, neurogenesis, brain regeneration. This is a massive one, particularly for people in the uh, CSL HG group, um, but also for people PCS and in, in the brain injuries group. Uh, so. Uh, thinking about neurogenesis, neurogenesis means the forming of new neural pathways or at the lesser extent it is the likes of omega-369, EPA, DHA, uh, oils, uh, natural oils that will cross the blood-brain barrier and help you to regenerate your, your thought patterns as well. So starting off, where do we start off? Right, this doesn't, regardless of age, omega-369, there's a lot, there's always a lot of BS in the press about um, kind of omega-6 and things that you shouldn't have. But there's BS in the press about every vitamin and everything. And, uh, you know, to be fair, it's all the propaganda of the uh, drug companies and the drug machine. So, you know, it's generally these uh, studies that they claim to do Claim to do based on like 50 people out of the whole 7 billion population are generally angled at discrediting 
any natural substance or vitamin that helped people. And so look at the bigger picture and don't take too much out of it that can detract from you actually helping yourself restoring your own brain health through the use of EPA and DHA. So Omega-369, one of my favorites is a Nordic fish oil, uh, which isn't that expensive, uh, but it, any way you can get that, uh, that's really good. Uh, evening primrose oil, that's borage oil as well in capsules, is really good, not just for women, uh, it's used mainly for, for ladies who are going through the menopause and so on, but it's actually really good for men for fatigue and hair, uh, symptoms of hair loss and other things as well. So it's good for the menopause as well. <laughs> but uh, I'm not sure how many of you will want to use that for that reason, but there it is. Um, also, uh, there's a couple of things, and I, I, I don't usually like to mention brands and brand names, but there's Healthspan, I think they're in Jersey, and they did one called Memo Plus, which is an oil capsule, which was literally full of EPA and DHA, um, as well for brain health. Um, we've got uh, Ashitaba, which I mentioned, is it a herb from Japan, um, which is uh, called Tomorrow's Leaf. It's actually a member of the carrot family. Uh, Ashitaba tablets and capsules easily available uh, and it's just really good it helps liver function, kidney function and the stomach it helps the brain as a cephalic as a brain booster and stimulant uh, and there's also like lion's mane mushrooms, reishi mushrooms uh, turkey tail uh, any of the medicinal mushrooms are absolutely fantastic not just in the respect of post-concussion syndrome or brain injury but also uh, in the respect of people recovering from an addictive issue, whether it be drink or cannabis or drugs or other issues. Uh, and this is neurogenesis, like, like, like I'm talking about. It's something that is massively underrated and not even mentioned uh, in traditional allopathic medicine or traditional psychotherapy, psychiatry either. But uh, uh, having taken those for a few months myself, I know that it's just like, it really is a massive bolster to the system and to the immune system as well because most of these uh, kind of natural mushrooms and herbs like ashitaba, lion's mane, reishi, turkey tail and so on, they have a double effect as a cephalic brain booster and an immune system booster. So everything I've mentioned to you uh, is, is like a conglomerate of issues and herbs and mushrooms and the things you can take together. And when you combine them together, then they're just so much more powerful. It's like, imagine going into a fight, a fight against your own illness or your own addiction and only having yourself to depend on. It could be really tough because you might be fighting different emotions and things at once. Imagine you've got a friend with you, then it's a little bit easier. But imagine having five or six friends with you and facing up to like two or three symptoms and problems. Then you're going to be so much more empowered. And that is a key to functional medicine. That is a key to what I wanted, wanted to talk about as well. Uh, so... Yeah, you, you've got to be aware that uh, there's many, many ways to skin the cat. There's many, many ways to do it. Um, so, yeah, in, t in terms of neurogenesis as well, 
those that lion's mane mushroom lion's mane mushroom because it looks like when you see it hanging kind of growing from the tree it hangs down like like a lion's mane it's basically where it's got its name from um, but that they found that when uh, the areas that it grew in specific precincts of Japan was where uh, the people would, would eat this mushroom they found that they was it safe to eat but in those specific areas people were a lot smarter happier uh, they had no depression, they had no anxiety, they had none of the social issues that people had in different areas. And their communities and societies were far advanced than anywhere else in the country. And they're like, well, how, how did this happen? And, and then you know, the people said, well, well, we're just eating this stuff, this lion's mane. And, uh, and so it does work, and I can testify to that as well. Um, there's also uh, that anything you take in specifically supplementarily um, you may want to take a, a, like a, a vitamin D gel liquid capsule or, or liquid wise every day or vitamin C to help to absorb it as well because if you do that it will help your body to absorb the goodness and the nutrition and the kind of cephalic effects that that gives as well um, you may have heard of bioparine, that's another one that, that is kind of there to help absorb different uh, different vitamins and supplements as well. Um, what else we need to talk about? Right, okay, yeah, uh, I mentioned uh, constipation and going as well, uh, particularly because, yeah, you're going to have to deal with this uh, either way. Um, so if you can't go either because your diet is too protein rich or you've got medications and things that are making you constipate, particularly painkillers, then it depends on how bad you need to go. Uh, the first line of defense, the first thing with constipation is to daily take asylum uh, husks. Now, asylum husks are, uh, it's a shell of a, uh, like a bean of a plant that generally comes from India and the Far East. Uh, and what you do is you take it like a teaspoon of these kind of like uh, shattered, crushed asylum husks and put them in water and just, just drink like a, a tablespoonful or a teaspoonful in the water. Just drink that down uh, straight within or after your first meal of the night. Um, and that will generally, because it swells up, in your body with the water it will generally help you to go first thing in the morning because the last thing you want to do you want to be doing is struggling and thinking you know first thing in the morning or night you can't go you can't have a yeah gonna have to say you can't have a bowel movement you can't go there um so that's the first thing to do uh after that then you know, if you really find that's not working, then you're going to look at Senna, uh, Senna pod uh, as a laxative, which is a natural laxative. So, I mean, you can get those pretty readily. Um, that's going to help you go. Uh, but generally, if you eat having a lot of green fibrous vegetables, alkaline spinach, um, green beans, asparagus, uh, all that type of things, and you're not going to be too far off. Um, 
but the other thing, if you really, really find that you're at your wit's end, then there's something called magnesium citrate. Um, and this is kind of like, before you get to like coffee enemas and things like that, magnesium citrate is the one thing that will clear you out. So, and, and doctors will occasionally prescribe this, but when you get to that point where like, I, 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 I'm not being, you know, you're thinking, I can't, I've not been for like two or three, four days, then magnesium citrate is one to use, but I always get, you know, kind of like right advice on that. Uh, so that's, if you can't go, if you're going too much, or again, if you've got reflux, um, yeah, if you've got reflux, like we said, glycerized licorice root, basil seeds, uh, there's also berberine. Berberine comes from um, barberry, the barberry plant, barberry uh, berries and bead, beads and bushes. Um, that is one which they call the, the golden stomach healer. Uh, the berberine is extremely powerful, uh, uh, kind of like stomach and digestive medicine. Really, really good. You can get it in a tincture or sometimes in a root capsule. But that is one where if you're really, really struggling and nothing else has worked, then get some barberry tincture or berberine. Uh, and that will begin to repair your digestive system in days. I promise you, within days and weeks, you will find that even if you've been, um, like if you, your digestive system's been destroyed by opiates or anything else for years and end or alcohol and you've had the endless, this, and if you combine that with ashitaba and other things, you're going to have miraculous results. Um, and what else for the stomach? Uh, yeah, there's quite a few things. Um, you, you're going to uh, possibly uh, be working on an alkaline, more alkaline-based diet. Um, there's a lot of BS around about uh, how alkaline diets and alkaline foods don't help, but they really do. So you may want to think about the things that are not satisfying, like green vegetables, eating the rainbow, and so on, that really going to help you. Whereas like junk food and pizza and pasta and all that is acidic, uh, and although you might like it and it might be filling, it's not really that good. So um, maybe maybe look at kind of kind of fractioning down your diet into more alkaline rather than acid. Um, so, I don't know, I think I've covered everything, but I'm sure um, for people in the PCS groups, post-concussion syndrome awareness worldwide groups, uh, you're, you're going to listen to this, but the people in the CSLHD groups, uh, if, if you've got issues uh, uh, with whatever I've said, or if you want to ask more questions of anything that I've not said, then please get in touch with me, um, either through, uh, I'll either see you at the groups, um, or you can email me direct at, um, uh, or, or get in touch with me on Twitter or Facebook, um, and I'll be happy to go through with you on an on a individual basis what, what I, what's worked for me. So in, in this res respect, uh, 
I want to say, well, I know I'm, I'm going to see some of you tomorrow. And if you're listening to this ret- retrospectively, yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. So uh, I, I won't give any more personal detail on that. But I'll just say, well, yeah, uh, there's much, much more to come. And there's also whole different levels to healing. We're not just looking at what you can take internally as a supplement, whatever, but there's also different levels to that. So I'm sure like uh, Dave and Vance and other people in the groups will uh, uh, maybe take that on board. And uh, yeah, we, we will get there sooner or later. But for all of you, thank you so much for listening. And um, if, if either way, either of the podcasts, if you if you want to listen to any of them, um, you can. They're on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Castbox, um, Radio Public, all kinds of places. Every, every pub, kind of podcast situ, uh, situation and site you can think of, they're on there. Uh, just to, to just get you know, just kind of search it out. All you need to search for is post-concussion syndrome awareness podcast. And, um, yeah, you, you'll find it there anyway. So, uh, yeah, thank you for listening. And if you want to follow my work on the post-concussion syndrome awareness podcast, uh, you can do so on Facebook. Look for post-concussion syndrome awareness worldwide. Um, or the caregivers group, which you've got as well. Uh, on Twitter, the handle is at post-concussion. And on uh, WordPress, we've got the blog, which has got historical information and the history of PCS, which is post-concussion syndrome awareness UK dot wordpress.com. And really, thanks. If you've managed to listen to all of this, then you're an absolute trooper. And thanks very much. And I'll speak to you again soon. Cheerio. This is a very important disclaimer. In fact, it's not even a disclaimer. These are things that most sentient, intelligent, reasonable people actually know. And what am I talking about? In fact, in well, with the podcasts that we're making, you have to be responsible. Myself, My guests on my podcast are not here to give you medical advice. We are not paid professionals. So, as society and the woke community dictates, we are here to say to you, any information which we put out in the podcast, anything we give to you, is not construed or considered in any legal way or fashion whatsoever as medical advice. Any reasonable person knows that. But you're always going to get one or two or maybe a few hundred people that really are just as dumb as A, B, C, X, Y, Z. So, please do not take anything we say as medical advice or any other way. Please do your own research, your own uh, just due diligence into whatever we say. And if you need, if you feel you need, if you really, because you could really trust yourself, feel you need the help, trust yourself to get in touch with your local practitioner, general practitioner, doctor, specialist, or whomever, or your psychiatrist, or whoever you're dealing with through post-concussion syndrome or any other health condition. And if I need to spell this out anymore, 
just be really considerate and kind to yourself. And don't, please don't accept what we're saying as any kind of medical or legal or personal advice. I don't know how many other ways to say it, but I'm sure those of you who are intelligent enough will realise that, yeah, we don't give that kind of advice. And if you did want that kind of advice, you'd probably pay somebody that was really good at it to give give it to you in the first place. So don't worry about that. Uh, just enjoy the podcast. And uh, this summit is 24th now at least. And, and just, just really, really uh, have a, a wonderful time. And please get in touch if you need to. But don't worry about um, thinking that, you know, anything else. Just, just really, really enjoy what we're doing. And so much love and respect to you all. Thank you.